Our scripture reading today is Matthew 28, 16 to 20, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, today we start a new series, and this series has a strategic dimension to it in the life of this congregation. We are at the beginning of a six-month process of doing a congregational mission study. This is a, a self-study that, that involves all of us at some level of participation to be a part of the discernment and decision-making about who we are at this time and where we feel God is leading us as a congregation into the future. This happens about, in, in my experience over the years, this happens about once every decade in most congregations. The last time that we did a mission study this extensive was uh, between, uh, in an interim time, after the retirement of our organizing pastor, Paul Strawn, before uh, the next pastor was called. Prior to that, it was in 2006, uh, when we had an extensive mission study, and there were at least a few uh, before that. But, but it hasn't happened with us in about a decade. And so it, we mark this time and this school year as a very important one for the congregation because we will be having conversations. We will be praying. We will be studying together in a way that will chart the course for this congregation into the future. It's exciting, amen? That's right. Well, we're not only doing this because the Presbytery told us we had to. I'll just get that out of the way right up front. And, and I think all of you recognize that that, that, that it's not just something to get done. It's something really important for us at this time. It's not just us as a congregation, but most churches are in this place, right? We hope that we're moving into a post-COVID era. And we also recognize there have been a number of changes and transitions that, that we ourselves in this congregation have undergone. And so it's time. It's time for us to engage this. And as a first step, it's important that we remember what the essentials are. What is it that makes a church a church anyway? So if it was all of us who were, it was up to us to participate, which it actually is, with God's help and God's guidance, 
to, to kind of decide, okay, what's important for this congregation and its ministry? It will help to do a little bit of a refresher, like at the beginning of the school year, when you review what you studied last year, that we can review what is it that makes a church a church. We do a lot of things. We fill up our backpacks with all kinds of stuff. But what are those essentials that we need to pack with us on our journey forward? What makes a church more or less faithful? And so when we think about that question, you're not surprised that we started out with Jesus' great commission. At the conclusion of the Gospel of Matthew, and then the the one verse we read from the book of Acts, which is like the great commission of the Gospel of Luke, because you remember that Luke is the first volume of a two-volume work, Luke and Acts. And so, so those are Jesus' words. Those, all those words we read, those are red-letter words. Those are the words of Jesus to his disciples, to the church. We read them as the church. And Jesus has a commission for us to go and make disciples, to be Jesus' witnesses right here where we live, but also beyond, stretching out to the ends of the earth. Here we go. Isn't it exciting? You know that time when the... uh, when the excitement is building for a a grand journey that you have been planning for quite some time? I can just imagine right now that there is a member of my family who is getting ready to go to Europe very soon, uh, and I will be privileged to drive that person to the airport at 3 a.m. this coming Saturday morning. And yeah, I mean, me being a part of this thing, isn't it great to find your place in those travel plans? But, but think about those travel plans for you. Now, I want to say to those of you who are watching on YouTube, we may have some people f- even overseas right now. Because as I was putting together this series and we were talking about kind of linking up our congregational journey with the whole idea of journeying or traveling, I realized that there are a lot of members of our congregation who are in other parts of the world right now. Uh, now, part of that is, is kind of the post-COVID phenomenon. I mean, raise your hand if you had a trip postponed by COVID that you had to take sometime. That's a lot of hands. It really is a lot of hands. Um, so, so this is a season in which a number of trips are happening. And so we hope that uh, when you do take a trip, just like those who are watching on YouTube, if you can, watch us live or watch the recording uh, that's linked on our website. Jesus said, go. And so here we go. We're embarking on an epic journey, just like the early church embarked on a journey. The word go in Greek is is the same word for travel. And so when you think of the Great Commission, Jesus is saying, travel. Take a trip. Get moving out there and make disciples. Poruomai is the word. It means to move a considerable distance, either with a single destination or from one destination to another in a series. 
It could be translated to travel, to journey, or to be on one's way. And the Great Commission in Matthew that many of us know fairly well, I want to offer you something that you might not know or might not notice unless you look at the Greek of the text. And that is that the Great Commission is somewhat of a palindrome. Do you remember, okay, we're back at school now, you remember what a palindrome is, right? And if you need refreshing, it is... Uh, something that reads the same backwards as it does forwards. And so in verse 16 of the Great Commission, the disciples traveled or went out to Galilee. It uses the word for disciples, then the verb traveled, and then their destination, Galilee. And then you get to verse 19, Jesus' words to them, travel and make disciples. So the palindrome is disciples go, go disciples. That's the great commission. The disciples had already traveled. And Jesus is saying, keep on moving. You know, I remember back when I was in elementary school, way back in the 70s, and, and at uh, the first few weeks of school is where you showed off your school clothes that you had just bought. I remember there was an era when everyone had to have a t-shirt that said, keep on trucking. Do you remember that? I don't know. Was it a hippie thing? What was it? It was anyway, I remember that. Someone later tell me what that was all about. Uh, I was young, and we were all keeping on trucking. But that's really what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Keep on trucking, on the mission. You've gotten this far, but this isn't the end. It's just the beginning. Take that next step and the next step. What Jesus has in store for his disciples, and that includes us, is an astounding itinerary. To say something that is... To say that something is astounding is to say that it is capable of overwhelming us with amazement. That it is stunningly surprising. And that is what the Great Commission is. And that is what the life of disciples in the church can be. Think about an itinerary a travel itinerary, when you are, say, looking to purchase a a guided tour that has all of the parts of the tour. Maybe it's a cruise that you are thinking about. Okay, where are the ports of call where you will will be able to get off the ship and explore and shop, for instance? Uh, Where, where, if you take a, a tour of Europe, where you will stop and what you will do there? Think of how exciting it is to plan your very own itinerary in this day and age when when we all have the tools at our disposal to be our own travel agents and to put these things together, whether it's a a driving trip to one of our great national parks or, or over the river and through the woods to go and see grandmother. All of those trips are exciting and are full of adventure and possibilities. But there's something special about looking in one snapshot and seeing the itinerary, that list of where you'll go, what you'll see. 
in Matthew, in, his, in Jesus' great commission, Jesus focuses on two activities that are the core essential activities of the itinerary. The first is that his disciples, the church, are given the, the opportunity to baptize people in the name of the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What stunningly surprising sacred trust, isn't it? When you think of this, that, that, that Jesus gives the commission to baptize and gives that to the church, the church that is full of, without one exception, sinful, fallen human beings, regular people, everyone. And yet, God calls us to that ministry. We have a role in inviting people into the Jesus movement, inviting, us, inviting people into the life of Christ, and at, corporately to be a part of the church that baptizes in the very name of God. Astounding. What about the next itinerary? How about Jesus saying, teach them everything I have taught you? Everything? Yeah. Everything. Do you think we ever exhaust that joyful mission? That commission that we've received from Jesus? Absolutely not. Everything always means that there's more, there's deeper. And we are invited into this comprehensive commission in the church. And each congregation does this in their locale. We do this and have done this at North Creek, but if you would drive around the community, you would recognize some buildings as churches. Other buildings, you wouldn't even recognize that there's a church inside, but there is. And there are some houses this morning where people are worshiping together. And there are some people who are at home or on vacation who are watching us from wherever they are and joining us across time and space, all to be a part of the group of people in the world that Jesus said, go and do these things. Here's your itinerary. In the book of Acts, Jesus said, you'll receive the Holy Spirit's power and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Oh, the places they'd go. And come to think of it, we are living in the ends of the earth when we compare that to the actual spot on the globe and the very spot on the world timeline where Jesus was speaking these words. We are a long way away from Galilee in, in, the, in Israel. You know, uh, some of us are, are becoming acquainted with land acknowledgments uh, in this 
day and age, uh, acknowledging indigenous peoples and their enduring relationship with their traditional territories. And, and one thing that land acknowledgments remind us of is that there were those who lived here before the majority of us arrived. Ancestral lands for us here are of the Coast Salish peoples. And actually, that's one of the reasons why our presbytery, which was renamed the Northwest Coast Presbytery, uh, chose that name. Because we now in, uh, include a lot of congregations of indigenous peoples of, of various tribal affiliations uh, in uh, Southeast Alaska. And, uh, and of course, we've always had a congregation in our presbytery uh, of the Macaw tribe uh, in Nia Bay. When Jesus spoke the words of the Great Commission, this was the end of the earth. This is on the other side of the globe. I don't know where it is exactly, so someone who has an expendable globe, if you could drill through and just put something through and find out the exact opposite side of the world. But I guarantee you, we're not that far away from the exact opposite side of the world, from the Holy Land. I think there's also a good reminder that... Uh, just a reminder for us in the church that, that our existence as a global movement did not come originally from European imperialism, right? That, that's not our story. Now, it is part of our story, right? Because as Presbyterians, we will go across the pond to Scotland and the Church of Scotland and et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's part of the heritage. But what we're talking about today in the Great Commission is a Jewish carpenter in Palestine right after around the year zero, right? Around the year 30 or so, starts a movement that envisioned the whole world being a part of it. A movement that has always respected and been enriched by the ethnos of the world. Go make disciples of all nations. Now, the word in Greek is ethnos. It really means people groups. Ethnic groups is what we'd call them today. And we're going to do some studying this fall in the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, the account of the very birth of the church, there are no fewer than 16 different ethnic groups that are defined by their unique culture that are mentioned and that deserve mention by name in the story of the start of the church. And here in the Great Commission, Jesus says, make, make disciples of how many of these? All of them. Inclusive. And the Jesus mission is one that has always respected and appreciated the cultural distinctiveness and what a joy it is to be reminded today of our partnership for the last many years with Nepal and being enriched. We on this talk about other sides of the world again, we're united with Christians of all cultures in this worldwide mission of discipleship. The essential activity in the book of Acts, in Acts 1-8, is to be Christ's witnesses. And as we'll see, especially in Acts 2-42-47, which we're going to dive into next week, that there are five essential ways that the early church gave witness to Jesus. 
And we're going to explore each one of these in this series. These are the essentials. These are the essentials we're going to remember to pack for our journey together into the future of this congregation. And my encouragement to us and each one of us individually is don't leave home without them. Don't leave home without them. First, there's proclamation. The Greek word here is kerygma. It's the message of salvation. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was one of the five. Don't move forward with this, the mission of this congregation without putting the message of Jesus and salvation through him right at the front. Because the church has always had that right at the front. Then there's service. Selfless, sacrificial service to meet the needs of others. The Greek word here is diakonia, servanthood. We do that locally, meeting needs among our congregation as we care for one another. But we do this locally as well through assisting people who are, are in difficult times, whether it's grief or homelessness or anything in between. We also do this on a global scale. Then there's teaching. The disciples gathered together and they did what Jesus said to do. They followed the itinerary and there was much teaching of everything that Jesus commanded. And that's been a calling card of the church through the ages. And we continue to teach. And there are people who do not yet know a lot of what Jesus taught his disciples. And that commission still is valid for the church today. That's Didache. You teachers would know the root of that didactic, right? Some good, good masters of education terminology. Then the fourth is community. This is where fellowship is involved. Koinonia. Gathering together, sharing life together, people offering some of their own resources to their neighbor who doesn't have the resources. Caring for one another. Right at the outset of the church, there was a whole group of people who were not getting cared for. And that became project number one in the church to make sure that those needs were met. That all came from community, people being together. I think one of the challenges for us in the post-COVID era when it comes to fellowship or koinonia in the church is how are we as a church going to be together when oftentimes we are apart? And one of the ways that we are apart is there are those who are gathered and there are those who are scattered. And yet we all are part of the one body of Christ. Let's learn what Jesus has to say to us at this time in history. And then finally, the fifth one, is what we're doing right now. Worship. The early church gave witness to Jesus Christ by worshiping. They gathered at the temple until they were kicked out of Jerusalem. And then they gathered in people's homes. And they gathered down by the river, wherever they were, where the church was expanding. And they worshiped. And they prayed. And that was a distinctive. These are the five essentials. And so if you want to know what five of the next six sermons are going to be, there it is. There's your itinerary. But what will follow those sermons is a gathering that you are all warmly invited to. It will be on October 22nd. That's a Saturday. We'll gather in the morning. 
and we'll have a full morning full of activity, and then we'll have a lunch together provided by our fellowship team. Let's have a round of applause and thank you to our fellowship team. And this is designed to fill the house and also fill our Zoom rooms if we need to do that. Uh, and we are going to uh, participate in a process called appreciative inquiry. And we're going to talk about how have we done each one of these five things in the past here at North Creek in ways that brought you the light of Christ or that you saw the light of Christ shared with others in a particularly brilliant way. How are we doing these things now? And then how might Jesus be calling us to do this in our future? Each one of these five essentials, as, as we make sure that we pack those at the beginning of our journey into the future. We're actually going to provide you some journals next week, for those of you who are in the house, uh, to write down notes each week for you to start sh thinking of your ideas so you'll kind of have... Uh, some prompts and some ideas to bring to that October 22nd event that will be able to capture the themes that we discover from one another. And that'll help chart the course as we move forward. But we're going to, uh, just before we draw a conclusion today, I want to give you a little bit of a warning. Uh, call this the Rick Steves moment. Okay? So, so some of you are very well aware of Rick Steves. He's a, he's a neighbor, of course. Uh, hello, Rick, if you're watching this. Uh, but thank you for all of your videos, I just want to say. Uh, and uh, some of you have toured with, with Rick Steves, and, and uh, some of you may be personal friends with Rick. Uh, but, uh, but Rick is well known for teaching people how to travel and how to follow their itinerary. And especially the key point is if you're going on a long tour, say, of Europe, where, where he does most of his traveling and travel guidance, is don't... Don't leave home without the important things, but don't overpack either, right? So you don't want to be in the middle of Europe or something without something that you really need. But you also don't want to be lugging a piece of luggage like this, you know, a big full-size suitcase up and down five sets of stairs in a small village in Italy, uh, or dragging them across uh, all those cobblestones in Europe. By the way, props to the cobblestone people, right? In Europe, those cobblestones are, are doing just fine uh, in this day and age. So, good. So sometimes, let's talk about underpacking. Sometimes there is a little bit of a tragedy in forgetting an essential. Sometimes you can pick something up uh, nearby. Like, for instance, just recently, uh, my wife and I went uh, to... Uh, we had to drive across this state to go to a memorial service, and I, I had a suit with me, uh, but no tie. You've, you've been there. And, uh, and, so, and yet, we were in a city, and uh, they had stores, and so I was able to get a tie, and no problem. But there are places in this world you can go where whatever it is that you needed for that trip, there may not be that there for you. Throughout this series, we'll be leaning into the travel theme and reflecting on those essentials that we need to pack for our travels and perhaps on the times that we've learned the hard way how very essential each one of them are. Think about times when maybe we really are all about service and we focus all of our energy there, but we've forgotten about community and how to care for each other and it just didn't work, right? Compare that to the travel theme. Now let's talk about overpacking. 
<clears throat> wearing yourself out by trying to carry too much. Uh, recently, a group of us met with the leadership of Ever Gospel Mission, and, and the director there, uh, when some of us asked, hey, what are some of your advice, what's your advice for our congregation if we want to be involved in your ministry and, and do some really good ministry among uh, the homeless or, or in uh, those who are insecure in terms of their housing? And the first thing he said was, acknowledge your limits. Acknowledge your limits. <clears throat> it's like he's Rick Steve saying, You've only got so much of a bag to carry things in. So if you just want to, if your goal is to just stack up a lot of things, hey, the more the merrier, it might be rough. Because we might not be able to get very far if, the, if the, the, the bag is too heavy. I remember watching the movie Wild about a woman's backpacking adventure along the Pacific Crest Trail from Southern California to the Canadian border. And it features a true-to-life scene, from what I understand, of a stop early on in the process, the trek, it's in California, where, where almost by clockwork, by itinerary, hikers will have discovered that they're carrying too much stuff in their backpack because they're starting to suffer under the load. And so at that particular stop, there's just a ton of gear around. They actually allow you to, to mail stuff home with boxes as well at that point because, because of our tendency to pack too much. And that paring down, though, is what allows people to continue on the journey. And so as we bring this to a close, I want to remind us of the reminder, the sacred reminder that Jesus gives us in the midst of this very astounding itinerary in the Great Commission. Jesus reminds us of his presence. In the New Revised Standard Version, it reflects Jesus' words as saying, Remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in Acts, we're reminded that we not only have Jesus' presence, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit. This trip that we are on, this journey, this itinerary that Jesus is drawing us into and inviting us along to enjoy, it's not something we do on our own power or by our own guidance or planning. It's done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, fellow disciples, let's begin the journey. Here we go.